0: Welcome to the Digital Brand Builder Podcast, where we bring you the best growth strategies from the world's experts to help build your business fast. And now, here's your host, Mark Fidelman. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Digital Brand Builder Podcast. Today, joining me is Kirsten May, and we're gonna talk about why you might need to bring in outside marketing talent to help you in your organization there's quite a few reasons mainly around expertise but we're going to dive into this and and really give you some reasons why and uh more so how you bring them in successfully i might have to chime in on that myself so with that kirsten welcome to the show and can you give us a little bit of background about yourself
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm the co-owner of a marketing agency in Canada. So uh, chatting with you from Canada today.
0: Canadian.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can tell you our cold climate is great for marketing because when you're inside, oh, yeah. like all you could do, is Just right? thinking it's- all day. Exactly. So you kind of crazy ideas you could come up with to entertain yourself. And uh, it's definitely the case right now, definitely cold right now. Um, But I've worked in the advertising industry for about 10 years and uh, three years ago, I met someone I loved working with and we decided, hey, we should do our own thing. so um, we left the agencies where we were working and we started our own agency in 2017 and we started as just the two of us but uh, we've been fortunate we've grown pretty quick so. Now we've got about a team of 11 full-time staff and then about 20 folks kind of in our larger network who we work with uh, pretty regularly and uh we're fortunate we've got like a nice mix of clients and industries that we serve so we get to play in lots of different spaces and it's really fun
0: great so uh we're not going to hold it against you that you're in canada
1: <laughs>
0: but um i am very interested in our topic today and, and namely You know a lot of companies will tell you well we never go outside for you know outside marketing help and i i kind of get into a friendly debate about them because even if you've got people in that organization that are on top of their game are getting educated you know are reading all the blogs and watching all the youtube videos they still don't possess uh that extra think out of the box uh kind of perspective that mm-hmm. an outside marketer can bring in a lot of these outside marketers, and myself included, have seen a lot, especially right. within their particular industry, that they might not have thought of, right. or can save a lot of money by saying, "Yeah, you probably don't want to be on TikTok right now because no <laughs> one's making any money on it." But right. So, from that perspective, why should people in organizations care about bringing in an outside marketing agency or consultant or individual?
1: Yeah, that's such a great paradigm. And I think if you've worked in an agency, you've heard this assumption that in-house marketers are less creative than agency people, right? Like, I'm not sure if you've ever heard that Mark, but I've definitely heard that in some of the agencies where I've worked, there's almost like this perception that the outside partner is the one that can come up with the big ideas. And then the in-house group is going to be the one that kind of scales them back. And, you know, Uh, I don't think that's a fair assumption. Like, I think that's kind of the nature of the work that we do and the responsibilities that we have in those two different roles. Uh, And you're spot on, right? Like that kind of agency or outside partner, they have the opportunity to look into a lot of different businesses and a lot of different industries. And there's definitely like a shared learning there, right? So maybe you bring something that you picked up in the pet food industry over to, I don't know, like the manufacturing industry. Um, and that idea might be novel for manufacturing and it's like tried and true and pet food. And sometimes when you have an opportunity to work with those outside folks, they kind of have that um, that high level suite of ideas that they can draw from. But uh, I don't like the kind of assumption that in-house marketers are less creative than agency people because they're not, like they're just as creative. and And I've seen that, like we've done some events here at Uphouse, where we'll pull some people together from like our clients and our network and all kinds of different industries, and we'll get together for an afternoon in person or now virtually and brainstorm marketing ideas for a nonprofit organization in our hometown. And we do this, you know, around the holiday season when people need a little break and are feeling generous. And uh, those in house marketers have amazing ideas, like amazing ideas for these nonprofits that. Some of them like can be executed on a shoestring budget and have tons and tons of impact. And so then you kind of wonder, like why do these in-house folks sit here with us and spout off all these amazing ideas? But when you look at their marketing calendar, it's just like the same thing day in, day out, the same thing they've been doing years before. And that's simply because they have that in-house responsibility and they have sort of all the burdens of being the steward of that brand and that marketing calendar and budget. And it's essentially like a big box of constraints. And so when we kind of chat with folks about this, we talk about this concept of an innovation ceiling and an execution ceiling. So if you think about kind of these two levels that you can create at, picture your innovation ceiling as like really high above your head, and that's like the full limit of your creativity, the full scope, like all those wacky out there ideas, all those unconventional solutions to different problems. And those are the sort of solutions and ideas that we see at our like charitable brainstorming events for nonprofits. But then you take that same person and you put them in-house and they're thinking about the timeline and the resources that they have available, the budget constraints, maybe different media commitments or sponsorship commitments they're locked into all the ideas that they've pitched in the past that have been shut down by their higher ups. And so all of these things create their execution ceiling. So at the end of the day, whatever ideas come out of this brainstorming session, that in-house marketer is gonna be responsible for making it happen. And so that, I guess, paranoia, can we pull this off? limits their creativity. So it knocks down that innovation ceiling to a lower level. And so I think, you know, definitely an outside person can come in and shake that up and and bring that higher level of creativity kind of operate to their innovation ceiling because they don't have any of those constraints. But I think there's, you know, an in-house person can do the same thing. Like they can kind of pick that time or that project or that place where they're gonna break past that execution ceiling maybe just for an afternoon and, and really test what's possible.
0: Yeah. I, the issue I see and having done both been inside these yeah. larger organizations and uh, as an outside agency that the insider either gets pigeonholed mm-hmm. or uh, management kind of tunes them out, or if they are management, the executive level tunes them out. Yeah. Uh, because they've just, they're full of great ideas, but none of them get executed for whatever reason. Yeah. You know, maybe it's a, uh, a cultural thing. Yeah. What the advantage of an outside person is is they don't have those restrictions, and they're free to say what they want to say, and they can back it up with proof, typically from another company in the yeah. industry or adjacent to the industry. Yeah. And and that comes with a lot of credibility that maybe an insider doesn't have. Yeah. Unless they've got a long history of successes. Yeah. So. I just want to put myself in our audience's shoes and say, okay, I'm an insider at a company and I've been trying to get this you know, new project off the ground or I have this idea and I, I can't get enough support internally just because I've either been pigeonholed Or we've got inept management, which I've seen a lot of. So, how how do you respond to to somebody in that situation?
1: Yeah, you know that's that's tricky if if you're talking about it from a cultural perspective, where maybe management or higher ups they don't trust the ideas of the folks who are closer to the like the product, like the execution of that marketing or the customer totally right and like and for those folks for those higher-ups i would challenge them to look at organizations like gore um with their sort of this they, they kind of structure i guess their teams into these like clusters of of people tasked with... And, an- and
0: this is Gore Gloves? Who is this? Yeah,
1: like Gore, the makers of Gore-Tex.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah, WL Gore. Yeah. So, that, you know, they have sort of an organizational structure. They've got an org chart that really fosters innovation. So, if you're the type of organization that says, Hey, we want to be an innovative company, we have an innovation mandate to continually be coming up with new ideas, for sure, look at your organizational structure, because you don't want that structure to be squashing the creative potential of your team before they even really get a chance to do any cool work. So yeah, definitely look at sort of where is that creativity coming from? Is it a top down? Or is it a bottom up? Because in a lot of organizations that let that bottom up creativity flourish, those are the companies that are doing really cool things and pushing boundaries like gore, and particularly as they've had some sustained success and probably like, you know, all the marketers listening have, remember the diamond shreddies campaign. Do you remember that?
0: I do. Yes. But why don't you explain it to those that might not have seen it?
1: Sure. So shreddies, good old trusty shreddies came up with this marketing campaign a number of years ago where they fake launched a new product called diamond shreddies, which was like uh purposefully satirical and it was just square shed shreddies turned on their side and they marketed them as diamond shreddies. And like that campaign got so much buzz and pickup and renewed interest in shreddies and sales of shreddies went up as a result of that campaign. And that idea came from an intern so wow. i don't know like okay. you know like you don't need to be someone tenured with the company with a lot of seniority and experience to come up with the next groundbreaking idea like most likely it's someone fresh who doesn't have those constraints that's going to come up with those really cool ideas if you're that kind of organization and that's what you prioritize
0: i find though with even with interns you always hear about the one that was successful but the 200 that you know <laughs> like completely ridiculous so right. you know, take that with a grain of salt yeah and for it's sure. not that for interns sure. can't bring a unique perspective mm-hmm. that works. Uh, so, f- for the Gen Z and millennials that are listening, it, that's not it at all. Totally. A lot of times it's just the experience uh, combined with these innovative ideas that dictate yeah. whether it's viable or not. And, and yeah. even then, who knows until you've you know, you do some kind of test to see if it's going to work or not. I've seen some crazy stuff work that I thought for sure, was going to fail.
1: Yeah, for sure. Hey, that's a good point. Yeah. And that like fear of failure is another kind of barrier and limitation on people's creativity. But I think, um, you know, there's something simple that any marketer, any team can do regardless of your culture or your, your organizational structure. And that's just to hold a disruptor brainstorm. So just to set aside an hour, two hours, and just pretend that you're a new company coming into your space, and that you're a disruptor. So if you think about disruptor businesses, what do they have, most likely, they have a leader who's from outside that industry, they're normally resource scarce, and they're using technology to bring something new to that customer relationship. Sometimes it's disintermediation, but most likely they're leveraging technology to engage clients in a new way. And so if you wanna get rid of those execution constraints, just set aside this time, give your fake company a fake name and think about what you would do if you were this disruptor company entering your industry for the first time. And you know, you can, brainstorm some, you pick some different questions to brainstorm around. Um, but that's just like a handy exercise to shake off maybe some of those limitations that you perceive in your organization. Um, essentially, all options are open to you because you're on the fringe as a disruptor, you're trying to penetrate and establish industry. And so in which case, like really out there, ideas and approaches are celebrated. Um, and then see what you can come up with. And and. I always encourage folks to bring different people to the table. So if you always, maybe your marketing plan or campaigns are set by the same four or five groups of people, get some new faces at the table. Maybe even get some people from outside your company. Maybe there's like vendors that you work with and you kind of have some clever folks that you've noted on their teams. Like maybe you could invite a vendor, maybe you could invite someone from an unrelated industry to brainstorm with you and just see what you can come up with in a disruptor brainstorm.
0: Yeah, I've um, seen that a lot. I've seen yeah? retailers come in. We did this for uh, Safeway a long time ago as we brought in a whole cool. group of people from throughout the, the supply chain of Safeway and came up with a number of different options that uh, that worked really, really well. And yeah. and I'll add to that real quickly before you continue, Yeah, that the way to test it, yeah. You might think you've got a great idea, but yeah. we set up fake landing pages and Facebook ads and we would test the response, whether it's B2B or B2C, oh, we test the response to see how people are acting, uh, whether they would buy it or if they want more information on it, what have you. So there are ways in real time of doing real tests using Facebook ads or Google ads.
1: Nice. Yeah. And that's a great strategy too, right? Because when you're at the testing stage, you perhaps take away some of that fear of failure, right? You're saying like, we're not launching this. We're not putting all our eggs in this basket yet. We're just testing some messaging. So you might even just say, we're just going to do it in one market, or we're just going to do it among one demographic over a limited period of time or with a smaller budget. And so you have an opportunity to trial that idea rather than perhaps like continually like researching or analyzing the market, wondering when your product's going to be perfect or when the perfect time is, and you can just get in there and go. And I think like for folks who do have that get in and go mentality during this past year, we've seen like a lot of successes from everything from like big organizations to maybe the little grocery store down the street and what they're willing to try and what's worked for them in this pandemic environment.
0: Wonderful. Okay. So what do you you do next as an organization? So you hold the workshop, Mm -hmm. which I think is a wonderful idea. You get as many partners that make sense. You have a, a uh, let's say a very competent facilitator, because I find that these things Uh, can quickly devolve into something you don't want. But so you want a a competent facilitator You bring in uh, the right people and you have this workshop and you come up with 30 ideas. Right. What do you do then?
1: Yeah. So the next thing you have to do is vet them. Right. And that's a tricky spot because you're probably going to have some ideas in there where you're like, yes, definitely the leadership will go for it. And somewhere you're like, "Ah, I'm not so sure. Um, but yeah, likely you need to do round two, right? So vet the ideas down to what you think are the most viable and then prioritize
0: prioritize them,
1: prioritize them. Um, I guess one you could kind of prioritize it in two ways, we often do this. So what what is like a win? What do you think people are going to go for Maybe it aligns with your brand values or something you've done in the past where you're like, yeah, for sure, I can sell this. And then maybe one that's a little more out there and a little more risky where you say, for sure, there's all these potential hazards, but the payoff would make this worth worth my while. Um, and then then what you need to do is you need to make two teams. So once you sell these ideas internally, you need to have um, a brand champion and an innovation champion so even once you kind of say, okay, these are our five ideas that we're gonna pursue this year for how we're really gonna shake up marketing in our organization. Those ideas, as everyone knows, can really get whittled down between the time that you conceptualize them and time that you bring them to market. And of course you need those folks that are gonna like check all of this against your graphic standards manual and different things, but you also need those folks that are gonna be comfortable to continually push and say, we don't need this to be entirely in our comfort zone, we're trying something new here. So I'd recommend making two teams to get this done. Um, and uh, give those brand champions, their sort of time with that project more in like a, a checking capacity, but let those innovation folks really run with it and be responsible for p- pushing that project as far as they can.
0: And then, so what, I, what I've done in the past, and, and this is not, uh, something that, uh, I do that often, but I have held these types of workshops is mm-hmm. I, I assign budgets to them. Yeah. We prioritize them we test them out with either focus groups just take too long. I think you could yeah. do the same thing with Facebook ads. Yeah. And then, and then you decide, okay, this is based on all of these factors, mm-hmm. you know, this little innovation formula, this is how we're going to uh, start letting these things go. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think that Yeah, I'm trying to remember back to Safeway. I'm hmm. trying to remember if I signed uh, an NDA on this, but right. some of the things that we came up with, they're still doing today. Like, uh, instead of end caps, we had put islands of, of products on an island and and that drove sales by 22%. We, because we came back and we, we tested all our assumptions. Yes. So it's stuff like that that uh, came out of uh, this, this innovation focus group that we did.
1: Nice, yeah. Is is I, they have those uh, those islands in my local Safeway actually? So they are
0: still doing yeah, that. Well, yeah, well, guess where they came from. <laughs> there it you go. Like,
1: right? yeah. <laughs> that's
0: very. Came cool. out of and and who came up with it was somebody who stocked the shelves.
1: Yeah. Oh, like, awesome. Yes.
0: Yeah. And then because Safeway would charge extra to be in those islands, you know how they charge extra to be on the end caps. So oh. they charged extra to be on these islands. So for like Super Bowl, they'd have an, a Super Bowl island. And in that island, it would cost you uh, you know, more to be there. Yeah. But nice. the, the resulting sales, obviously, if they're still doing them, uh, worked out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah. So, okay, go ahead. I was just going to say, great to hear that that came from uh, someone who stocked the shelves.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you never know. Very you just cool. never know. Yeah. All right. So is this something that businesses could do inside or is your pitch kind of, hey, you know, this is something that's your expertise that you should bring in an outside firm. How, how are you positioning that with, with your clients or potential clients?
1: hmm Yeah, for sure. With. With our clients, so Uphouse is built for in-house. So our whole philosophy is we're not here to replace the talent that an organization has on their in-house team or the in-house agency. We're here exactly to bring that outside perspective. Um, And, you know, we focus primarily on brand and marketing strategy, but we also have clients that just contract us to brainstorm with them just because they feel like they might have been sort of circling... The same zone for a long time and they just want to inject that outside thinking which we're happy to do but i mean i've also when i've been stuck on something either for my business or for a client i'll just reach out to a marketer on linkedin i reached out to a gal in california that works for um, like a product development company that develops like interfaces for tech and just said like hey do you want to bounce some ideas back and forth on this particular thing. And she she shared her process that she goes through at her organization for conceptualizing and testing new ideas. And I shared a couple things that had worked for me recently. And it was really nice, right? Like, I think, like, marketers, I don't know, like, they're, they're a helpful group of folks. Like, they're willing to swap ideas, they're interested in new ideas and new ways of working, they're interested in comparing notes because they know that there's learnings from different businesses that can apply to different projects. Um, And I think what this you know, I did this near the start of the pandemic where everyone was suddenly working from home and their workday looked a little bit different. People were feeling isolated. So I think as well, it's also a good time. Uh, people wanna make that connection potentially and see a friendly face and hear someone who's doing something different in a different part of the world. Um, so I, I don't know, I think if you're willing to put yourself out there and ask a stranger to brainstorm with you, you might be surprised by how game people are to do that.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. If you uh, reach out to a marketer, I- they're probably thinking, well, if I help them out, there's a potential that they'll hire me because they'll recognize my brilliance.
1: Yeah, there you go, and also Uh, you can- (laughs)
0: Just understanding the arrogance of of my profession.
1: Um, (laughs) I guess it could happen and you know, you could hire anyone from anywhere at this point. So you're right, your options are endless. (laughs)
0: Well, that's at least the thinking of these business development people on LinkedIn.
1: Oh, that's <laughs> because, true. <laughs> yeah, That's true.
0: I mean, I might get four yeah. or five of those a day. It's, it's getting obnoxious. Yes,
1: definitely. Yeah. I've definitely seen a lot more of those cold emails going out. That's for sure. But you know, also they work. Like I think I followed up with two or three of the ones I received just this year. And I'm like, actually, I do need this right now. Let's chat. This would be very helpful. Well, see, so don't encourage works. them. Kirsten, <laughs> if they're listening right them. now, just email Mark. Don't email me. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> Right. I'm gonna send. I'm gonna post your email address. Yeah. There you go.
1: The show notes. Just send them all here.
0: Exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. So when you do all this, because it is a lot of work, you get a lot of people involved, and um, there's a lot of action items and research and all that. Yeah. What do you find is the end result benefit? Is mm-hmm. it worth it? Is the juice worth the squeeze?
1: Yeah. Um, I typically find like you could give an organization, 10 new ideas, and they'll probably action one or two right away, and then the rest will sit on a wish list. And so sometimes that's, you know, just lack of resourcing on their part, like they might need to hire an agency or an outside partner to get that done, they might need to hire an in- in-house in resource to get that done. Um, but I think like, if you're the one pitching the ideas, like you you can hold that client organization accountable and check in with them um for me i'm always happy when we pitch an idea to a client uh, in a session and then six months later i see them doing it on their own and sure it might not look as good as if i was going to do it but often it's getting the same result like it's getting the same engagement um an organization in, in our hometown did this recently it's an organization that advocates for people with disabilities and celebrate their 70th anniversary they. We came up with this idea for the 70 ways challenge so 70 ways, we can make our city more accessible for everyone and they didn't have the budget to do it with. My company, but they did it on their own, and like it actually worked great. They kind of got participation from all levels of government, lots of corporate organizations, lots of different, I would say, like advocates within the space, um, and you know they they did it entirely in house. So. Um, part of that was just kind of like keeping those lines of communication open to keep people feeling motivated and inspired and willing to try something new. And, you know, of course, every time you add something new to someone's plate, it's always like, when am I going to fit this in? When am I going to get this done? But uh, I think typically, um, you know, a good creative idea is always going to produce results. So it's always worth the effort. And and for this organization, it really was.
0: All right. Good. Um, I found that uh, Peter Drucker said it best. There's only two real main aspects of of business and one is innovation. The other is marketing. Uh, I I say that selfishly, but uh, innovation is key. And if you're not innovating, then you're going to get passed up. and, And that has been true across every industry. You can see what's happening um with anything that can be digitized yeah. and now you're even seeing it with potentially money with Bitcoin and what's going on there right So you're not safe even if you're a government
1: that's right yeah. uh,
0: you, you've got to continue to innovate and so I, I think what you're offering and what you're teaching people to do or facilitating is extremely valuable if they don't have that in-house skill set. Yeah. yeah So with maybe. that, was there anything um, we didn't cover that we should have covered?
1: Uh, Yeah, so I guess like if people can relate to what we talked about today, say, yes, I've felt that burden of responsibility that limits me from doing what I know I'm capable of. You are not alone. A lot of people feel that way. We've seen it in a lot of different organizations, so much so that we actually wrote a book about it. Um, The book is called The Proximity Paradox. And so, of course, the paradox being when you're closer to a challenge, shouldn't you be better at solving it? No, actually, your proximity to a challenge is what makes it hard to solve. And that's where outside perspective can really come in handy. Um, and funny story about this book we were originally going to call it Don't Come Any Closer. But then our publisher said, no, that title's too confusing. You should call it what your concept is, which is a proximity paradox. And then our book was launched a week after Manitoba and Canada went into a lockdown because of the pandemic. So we were kicking ourselves saying, don't come any closer would have been the perfect title for this book, but that's okay. It's called The Proximity Paradox. um, And you can get it anywhere you like to buy books in Canada and the US.
0: All right, well, thank you very much, appreciate it. And uh, we'll post the book uh, link in our show notes. Pearson, I wanna thank you for being on the show and uh, everything that you've uh, shown her and taught our audience.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thanks for the time.